1967, S.E. Hinton rose from obscurity and despite being a high school student created the young adult fiction genre with the novel The Outsiders. A tale of class division and youthful angst, this book was the first in a blockbuster class of literature worth $11 billion a year. I don't know if Pony Boy stayed gold, but somebody sure did. Whatever you may think of young adult novels, it's an industry force that can't be ignored. So, we decided to travel back to the days of middle school and revisit this groundbreaking book. Can you feel the dried hunk of gum under the desk and smell the Axe body spray? If so, pour yourself some cherry coke and rum and join us for episode 74 of Toasting the Classics, The Outsiders. Welcome to Toasting the Classics, the podcast where we take something that people call a classic and we talk about it for a little while and decide whether it really should be a classic. And what we do also is we drink something that's been inspired by the purported classic. My name's Dave MacArthur. And my name is Clint Lanier. And let me just say this, between us, between the two of us, uh-huh. we probably have, I would say, close to 50 years of education. Maybe that's gilding the lily a little bit, maybe 30 40? No, that's fine. Yeah, that sounds about right. It depends. Like I mean, did kindergarten really add to yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm counting preschool to yeah, counting, right. we both yeah. have we both have doctorates. You have a that's juris true. doctorate. I have a PhD. That's true. That's true. We both have we both protest. have we both have master's degrees, both have bachelor's degrees. My bachelor's degree was in length about as long as it takes others to get a doctorate. So that actually adds a little bit to it. Point is we are both very learned as well as wise crackers. So yeah. that's what, what gives us. Right, did you say, did you say that us being crackers qualifies us for this? Is that what, is that what you just said? Why, why is, well, I was about to say wise asses, but you know, every now and then oh, a kid might listen to this. So welcome. And what are we doing today? This is my pick. I guess I should, I should announce it, right? This is your pick. This is your pick. It came around to book for this week. So you picked a book. And, I, picked um, a, I picked a book. Your, your reading level is about the same as a seventh grader. So you, <laughs> you chose something yeah. that... Most people yeah. have been to school. This, um, that's great. I, I got. I'll speak to that in a second. So yeah, we are we are reading um, the 1967 classic by S. E. Hinton. Uh, no, it's out- a purported classic. It's a purported Purpo- classic. Okay, not, I'm sorry. My not, my not my, a classic. Yeah. Okay. Very very good. Very good. Uh, good correction there. Uh, but this is the Outsiders, um, and I have to admit, it, it didn't seem like young adult literature when I read it the first time as a young adult. <laughs> That's so oh, funny. And I think yeah. I would I would venture that if you went to high school, like 90%, 80% of people went to middle school, high school in this country, in the United States, in the past 30 or four, perhaps 40 years, you, you probably read this book. And I never, I never put it together that that was the level this was written for until I read it as an adult. I mean, I haven't read this since I was like 14 or 15. Yeah, you know, I saw the movie. Yeah. I think when I was like fourteen or fifteen. So I'm in so, a really weird. I'm in a really weird position with this one. Uh-huh. I have. I'm a complete outsider's virgin. I've never read the book. I've never seen the film. Oh, okay. Right. I've I've been aware of this as a cultural phenomenon my entire life. So it's actually one of my favorite things about doing a show is to finally catch up on some of this stuff. You know, like when am, when is a grown man going to sit down and read the Outsiders? Right? Like it's right. just oh, oh, I didn't read this YA novel from the 1960s. I guess I'll sit down. And, <laughs> I guess I'll yeah. just pick this one up, you know. So this was uh-huh. a great opportunity for me to finally close the loop on something that I missed. Uh, next week we're going to do Johnny Tremaine or some, <laughs> something else that I should have read. I was going to say, I was gonna say we're, we're we're not reading Twilight and we're not reading The Hunger Games, so Mm-mm, no, we, we won't be doing yeah. any Hunger Games. Hunger Games doesn't suck as much as Twilight. The book 
yeah. was better. And I, by the way, I didn't actually end up reading Twilight. I was about to. I was finally about uh, when my daughter was about that age. I was right about to read it, and then I got some reports from other people about what was in it, and I was like, I'm not reading that. That's, that's garbage. <laughs> I'm not reading yeah, that. So. It really is garbage. Absolute garbage. Even my my daughter, my 16 year old, she read it and said, "That's the stupidest thing I've ever read in my life." She's 16. Like she's she's a target audience. Did I ever tell you the anecdote about Wind Cave National Park? You, you can tell they they explore constantly and add new chambers mm, and new caves right. to the to the map as as time goes uh-huh. on. And there's a certain level of the caves that was found about 40 years ago where all of the rooms are named after things from Star Wars. And then yeah. 10, 15 years later, you get all the things that are named after Lord of the Rings. And then oh, don't tell me. as the caves get deeper and smaller, you uh-huh. end up having to use female cavers. And these female cavers are exploring around 2008, no. 2009, 2010. So there's all these chambers named like Edward Edward Room and like Bella Room and everything is from oh. Twilight. I just think that's been permanently enshrined in the geographical map of North America in a hilarious way. And I, I love that. But- that's a great story. All right. Synopsis. So uh, written in 1965-66, published 1967. This is a book uh, set in Tulsa, Oklahoma, although it never really mentions that. Can I can I pause something? Pause for something sure. geographical about the author really mm-hmm. quick? Just a request mm-hmm. I want to make. This book is by S.E. Hinton. Yes. And I would like us to not talk too much about who that is until the very end because that okay. was my biggest surprise and it completely okay. changed what i thought of the book afterwards when i looked at the article about the author i was like oh my god <laughs> like that's what was going anyway so that's going to be my biggest yeah. surprise so be careful right tread, tread right. lightly so anyway yeah so okay. go ahead okay so about that. written in the first person uh it's the story of two opposing gangs in tulsa there's the greasers uh-huh. and the socias or the so, right. short for socials, uh, short for socials. Which so you've got spelled, kind of the rich spelled socks. Well, and he and uh, the character that you're following, this guy, kid named Pony Boy, uh, admits that mm-hmm. I don't know how to spell it, which is kind of weird. That's like breaking the fourth wall. He's like, I don't know how 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 you mm-hmm. abbreviate or how you shorten socials, but that's how that's what we call them or something. So it's these two groups, the socials. greasers and the socials, and it's written from the point of view of the greasers, from a kid named Pony Boy. Pony Boy lives with his two older brothers, Soda Pop and Derry, short for Daryl, and mm-hmm. only person with a like a real name. <laughs> Entire book, I think. Both their parents are dead. Derry's sort of raising them. His middle brother, Soda Pop, who is apparently like Errol Flynn looking guy, soap opera star Wait, looks. Um, Errol Flynn is your go-to for hot guys? Yeah, I just thought of it. I don't know. <laughs> who would you go to? Okay. Probably Jimmy Stewart. Oh, huh? I don't know. I, being as I'm not a World <laughs> War One veteran. John, I, John I, Wayne. Actually, I don't know. Yeah. John Wayne. Um, okay. Right. I don't know. Fair enough. But Fair uh, enough. anyway, he's a, he's a, okay. George Clooney. How's that? How George about Clooney? Rob Lowe? Rob Lowe would be a pretty good go-to for uh, Rob Lowe. Was that who played him, or was it Tom yeah. Cruise? No, it's Rob One Lowe. Plays was it Rob Lowe who played uh, him? Okay, yeah. which is perfect. So anyway, cast. Uh, perfect casting, right. by the way. So. Two older brothers, parents dead, raising you know the oldest brother's raising himself. Pretty much all dropouts, but they're all part of this kind of gang. But it's more of like a social, like a community. It's a gang based on families and friends. And what what makes what what binds them all together is they're all poor, they're all sort of illiterate, they're all looked down on by the rest of the town, and they all share have certain traits that they share. They all grease their hair back, they all mm-hmm. like cars. Matter of fact, I was thinking, I wonder if if this is where Greece got the name of their movie from, Greece, you know, or the the so the, the concept of the greaser is definitely something <laughs> to be talked about here. Yeah, I don't think this 
book created the concept of the greaser. I think it may have popularized yeah. it in some kind of way, but I think the okay. greaser was in the culture in the 50s and 60s. <laughs> and so is Greece was Greece like created by this book to some extent? I'm sure it was, but I think the greaser yeah. was a familiar concept to people. Probably it's something probably I, right. I wish I could ask I wish I could ask my dad about it. I'm sure he would be able to give me a better answer. Right. Well, he defines but, it a few times. There's there's a few times in the book yeah, where he says yeah, we're greasers yeah. and somebody says you're a what? Says, you know, we're hoods, meaning hoodlums or right. something like that, right? I would I would think of Marlon Brando made a movie called The Wild Ones or The Wild One rather. And it was yeah, a yeah. kind yeah. of a or mo James motorcycle Dean. gang. Yeah, or James the way James Dean. Dean looks. Yeah. Yeah. The motorcycle right. so, jacket, jeans, the white t-shirt, the slick right. back hair. Have you ever been to a rockabilly show? Yeah. Yeah. Like I've been I went Absolutely. to a rockabilly show one time and like the girls were all dressed like Okies from from yeah. Grapes of Wrath, and the guys were all dressed like James Dean. And I was like, I think that's yeah, what yeah. I don't know. That's yeah, like, I feel like pretty it's much two cultures in a weird sort of way. But it's I also, would say the girls were dressed like were dressed like fifties pinup girls or something like that. Um, I remember who did you the see? Singer, it was just a random band I saw when I was in Sacramento, and the the, the lady who was singing looked kind of like Rosie the Riveter, like a more full figured okay. version of Rosie the yeah, Riveter. Yeah. yeah. Cool. She had, you know, like the headband, the the, the red. Ella, Ella uh, King, Ella King would be kind of like that. Uh, okay. That, oh that, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Um, interesting fact about her. Did you know? Did you know she's Rob yes, Schneider's daughter? Rob Schneider. Yeah. Yeah. That is the weirdest. You totally see it. That is the weirdest. When you look thing. at him, like no. When you see him together, not, you see him together. He's not old he, enough he, to have a daughter who's a grown person, <laughs> is he? Like I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, he's about Whatever. twenty. He's got about fifteen or twenty on us. But in any case, I'll just say it. I have the to one okay. rockabilly show. Okay. And of all the rockabillies, I okay. saw the rockabilly. I saw Reverend Horton Heat. Excuse me, the Reverend Horton Heat. But so the, yeah, so you got the greasers. Uh, it's, it's told from their point of view. The other side, the other side is kind of two dimensional. Is called the socials or the socials. So they would be sort of what we would call the jocks or the popular kids. They're the good kids. Well, everybody thinks no. they're good, right? They look up. Well, no, no. When I was in high school, we called those kids the Chads because there were multiple guys named Chad in that group of like football players that we would get in fights with all the time. So we just called them the yeah. Chads, like the whole group of them. So basically, it's the same as saying socials, I guess. But they tended right. to be more wealthy. But I don't know if that was the main divide. It was mostly the sports. It was mostly being on the yeah. sports team was what made the other for us. So right, anyway. right. Well, so these kids were, you know, live on different sides of the track, I guess. And they have a, a kind of this innate bred in hatred for each other. They'll get jumped. The greasers will get jumped by the socials if they walk alone. And it really makes the socials out to be the villains here. A lot of circumstances happened. One of the greasers is, ends up killing a soch. And so the two youngest, Pony Boy and his friend Johnny, have to split. They have to flee town. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of drama around that. And that's really sort of the central catalyzing event for the story. And, yeah, and throughout so. it, what the author does, like that, what the author does is provide like a, a lot of different layers of complexities for these characters. As it goes on, mm -hmm. you you start seeing the characters acting in a way that, you know, it's not the stereotype. I guess that's the point is it's sort of showing the stereotypes don't really work or they break down when you, when you start uh -huh. looking at these people in their personal capacities. That they have feelings and they're sensitive and they're smart and they're intellectual and they're brave. And so that by the end of it, you've got this, this full kind of tableau of this society that is typically looked down on. These people that are outsiders, they are outside the norms of or conventions of society. That's all superficial, but they are every bit as much 
they have all the virtues and qualities of somebody that would be in quote unquote normal society, I guess. So I mentioned like being in high school and I remember like being in the beginning of high school and starting to make friends with some of the kids who were like punk rock type guys, you know, they were like mm -hmm. skaters and punk rockers. And, stuff. Right, and I remember being right. really surprised. I remember being really surprised, like how nice they were. You know, I remember they, they look all tough and then I'd start hanging out with them yeah, and yeah. I'd be like, well, these guys are actually nicer and more sensitive and more friendly than the other people. So I started gravitating yeah. towards those guys way more. Yeah. Because I think I kind of had, it was a strange, it was a strange, kind of counterintuitive to me that it turned out that way. And I think yeah. that's kind of what, what's going on here. There's, it's hard for me to talk about the sentimentality of this book. I wanted to talk about that yeah. so much. And then, like I said, when mm -hmm. I found out some things about the author, I was like, oh, okay, that's what's going yeah. on here. Because right. the sentimentality seems a little over the top, if I'm being honest, like throughout the book, I'm like, right. really? These guys mm -hmm. are like, hugging and crying all the time and they're in there mm -hmm. they're all into books and horses and that's that's a little <laughs> weird you know you know it was making me almost put like a little bit of a queer read on the book i was like oh come on man like <laughs> this is not what I'm, this is really not how men interact with one another but or rather you know heterosexual men not to not to be heteronormative but we'll learn more about what's going on there i think when we get to my biggest well, surprise i think I, I will just to speak to that because I, I know where you're going with that and that's something we'll talk about but I think also keep in mind that it's written from the point of view of Ponyboy. Ponyboy is 14 years old. And the rest of them, you know, none of them are, are except Derry. Derry is the only one that's, I think he's 20. He's supposed um, to be 20, yeah, which is not very old, by the way. Yeah, so he's, he's like 20 years old. And he's and he's the only one that's very stoic about everything. The, the toughest guy there, Dally, I think is like 17 or 18, even though his ID says 21, so you can buy by booze but i mean all of them are kids i mean they're kids that's the point is they're kids i don't know so i i i, I see where you're going like i said and we won't spoil anything mm -hmm. yet but oh what uh, are we drinking? Week, i felt it appropriate i found a it's just a simple recipe it's called a spiked cherry soda so it's just okay. one tablespoon maraschino cherry uh syrup basically one and a half ounces of white rum eight ounces of cherry cola and one maraschino cherry and that's that's the entire drink. You just pour it over ice, mix it up, and away you go. And I'm pouring the syrup right now. This is an admirably simple cocktail in my book. Yes, I think it it's really uh, very nice to have something that was so easy to make. So I so I try to use what's on hand. So I've got grenadine uh -huh. syrup, which I guess is probably good enough to 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 suffice for the maraschino. Is that any difference in any important way? I guess it's got pomegranate um, in it and not cherry. But, well, it depends. Are you, if you're using the, the store-bought grenadine, uh -huh. then what you're what you're drinking is corn syrup with some color added to it, which is what, bright red. Um, I don't know if it has any flavoring, to be honest with you. Um, it says cherry and it says cherry and pomegranate juice. Oh, okay. So it, this kind of vies for possibly my biggest surprise of the week. It's got one percent mm -hmm. alcohol in it. Really? Well, you're drinking a, a different type of grenadine than I've ever had. I I, I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, this. Is, if I'd have known that when I was in high school, I would have been uh, drinking. You Can know, you hold up your bottle? What is this? This, uh, this is 12, 12 ounces, 12 ounces of grenadine. Oh, syrup. yeah, that's that's totally different. That's yeah, that's not the, the the standard stuff is that bottle of like atomic red syrup inside. Okay. And it's just complete trash. Yeah. For grenadine. Most grenadine is real oh, garbage. Okay. Real grenadine is. Well, then this must. This must be something my wife bought then, if it's any quality. So that's, that's good. <laughs> right. Time. Well, it was for a real cocktail party. In any case, that's a drink. So it's a spiked right. uh, 
cherry soda, which makes sense because you've got the whole Coke. Coke uh, almost seemed like they sponsored this this book. Throughout it, everybody's drinking a Coke and a pop and stuff like no, that. No, it's Pepsi. It's Pepsi. He's obsessed oh, Pepsi. with Pepsi. He's obsessed with Pepsi. But at the drive-in, they're drinking Cokes. Remember? Yeah, they do both. So I don't think I think this was. Yeah, I, I don't know who was sponsoring this one. Whoever sponsored it screwed up and let the other guy. Maybe maybe <laughs> they sponsored it. No, it's a very tasty drink. Right? It basically, just yeah. like I'm drinking um, cherry Coke. Although at first yeah, there was an awful lot of rum on top because I didn't have anything to stir. So mm. my first couple of sips just tasted like rum, but I wanted <laughs> to ask like about the rum. So you mm. said white rum. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming white rum is kind of the neutral version of rum, mm -hmm. the neutral spirit right. version of rum, like with nothing yep. added to it. I actually right. have gold. So am I ruining this drink or what's the difference there? I don't think so. You're not going to, you're not going to notice a lot. I think the important part is that it's not like Captain Morgan, like spiced rum. Okay. No, it's not spiced. Which has, which spiced. has flavors in it and stuff. So. But so, so I guess what I wanted to ask about that, and this is by way of we don't talk as much about the drinks these days, but I, mm -hmm. but the interesting question to me is, okay, so it's white rum, so neutral mm -hmm. spirit version of rum. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. why use rum instead of some different spirit? What's what makes rum, well, rum neutral rum different from using vodka or different from using? Well, so vodka is supposedly a true neutral spirit. In other words, there's no taste associated with. There's not supposed to be any taste. Rum okay. will have a taste, even though it's neutral. It will have a taste yeah, I, because rum. Is, I taste. It. I can taste that there's rum in this. Like it tastes like rum. So, so. rum is rum is made from uh, molasses and typically brown sugar. Okay. Okay. Or raw cane sugar, and so it'll taste like molasses. See, rum was rum was created as a way to kind of get rid of molasses, which was like the leftover junk. Okay. Right. So they distilled it, turned it into rum, and you know, the, the darker, the more molasses you use, the darker the rum will be. Like uh, there's that dark of, of the particular Myers. It's Myers dark rum. Okay. Used in like, a, it's used in a, a drink called uh, Dark and Stormy. Those are good. I like those. Those are very good. Yeah. And, uh, but it's a sweet, it's really sweet. And that's because it has a lot of molasses in it. And so it okay. creates this really sweet to fill it. Typical rum will be sort of sweet, but it'll, it won't be as sweet as a dark rum. It's also, the reason a gold rum is gold or a dark rum is dark is also because they're aged, just like any other spirit. When you age it okay. in a charred oak barrel, it gets that coloring from the oak sure. and it'll it'll affect the taste of that rum now. Now it's it's got all these other flavors going on. So it has nothing the brownness has nothing to do with the brown sugar or the molasses, which nope. no, it's entirely the same way, the same way that a whiskey is aged in a barrel and it imparts a color. The barrel, that's interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. wouldn't have thought of that. So so that's so, this is why I ask these questions. I, I right. you're the guy to go to about the history of spirits and things. So, and I, honestly, in a drink like this, like in a in a drink that because the cherry syrup and the and the cherry coke would pretty much drown out any other nuanced flavors from the spirit anyway. I can taste yeah. that it's rum rather than something else. It does taste. Well, no, no, I'm not saying about the rum. I'm just saying the difference between a white rum or a gold rum. I had a bad experience with rum early in my career as a drinker, I guess you'd say. And so I've stayed away from it over the years. I don't yeah. really enjoy like sipping rum, but we had a friend in Las Cruces, a doctor who was from Jamaica, and he hmm. was actually like a connoisseur and he had lots of different types of rum and had us try some. And I was thinking maybe I should, you know, it does have its own taste and maybe I should mm -hmm. get back into it. I'd say I prefer sipping rum to sipping tequila. If I'm mm. being honest, I don't really mm. love the taste of tequila. Like when mm. the, you know, and that's a thing you're supposed to get into in New Mexico, but I just never, mm. 
I tried it a few times and I was just like, ah, oh, just, you know, just different yeah. gradations of kind of smells that tastes like a cigarette. Like, to me for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely acquired. Rum is a lot easier to acquire than, than, uh, yeah. people, that's for sure. They don't talk, you know, in the, in the book. And again, there's a reason for this reveal at the end, but you know, they don't talk a lot about drinking in the book. They, they say that so-and-so was drunk, like the socials were drunk and looking for a fight. And they talk about people getting drunk, like Dally getting drunk. It doesn't spend a lot of time on what they drank or, or anything like that. No, it doesn't at all. He just says, "Oh, I'm going to go get drunk." Then everyone yeah. say, "I'm going to drink and, beer." Or I'm going to. And at the drive-in, the socials uh, sneak in booze. Is all it says. They snuck yeah, in booze. That's right. It's generic. You know? It totally yeah, is. Right. We get Pepsi. We get Coke, yeah. but yeah. we don't get specific types of uh, alcohol. That's interesting. And, and again, I think that's there's a reason for that. But again, we'll we'll talk about it later. So because the writers, you, uh, because of the writers' uh, personal traits, yeah, that that does perhaps, make sense perhaps right to mention it. Yeah. So, what did you think of the story itself? So, the story itself, I enjoyed the story. It's mm -hmm. it, I can see why this is seen as being a progenitor of the YA genre because the you know it's melodramatic, right? It's very melodramatic. I mean, in the middle of the story, they run into a burning building and save children from a fire. That's yeah. I mean, if you were going to list plot devices in melodrama, mm -hmm. saving children from a burning building is number one on the list yeah, i mean that's right when i see that in a movie or a book i'm like oh come on man you know like mm -hmm. but you know that said i thought it was pretty effective i actually was like mm -hmm. oh you know I'll like go i'm glad these guys are getting a chance to be heroes because they're kind right. of put upon and they're kind of underdogs and and not mm -hmm. even just underdogs but dally for example is like a bad guy he seems mm -hmm. like he seems like the bad guy in the group mm -hmm. and then he gets a real opportunity to sort of shine because even though he's the guy who you know cusses in front of girls and tries to upset them and stuff, mm -hmm. who's the one that they call when they murder somebody? They call him, right. and he and he mm -hmm. and he you know comes through. He finds them a place to hide out. Then he goes into a burning building to rescue them and help rescue children. So I liked mm -hmm. I liked that it showed that side of them because honestly, Johnny and Pony Boy kind of seem you know they seem like good guys from the very beginning. They seem right. kind of a little more soft than the other. Yeah, Johnny because he's been through a trauma. Mm -hmm. I think he's kind of described as having PTSD almost from being beaten up so badly that he was almost killed, you know, one time. Right. Mm -hmm. And Pony Boy just he seems like kind of like it's just a softy in general. He's you he's know. sensitive, yeah. He's sensitive. He's he sensitive. Likes, yeah. He likes to read, and he's good at you know he gets good grades, and he's thoughtful, and he's considerate. And yeah, yeah. He's he's not like the others. So I so I enjoyed reading, you know, even like I said, even though it was melodramatic, I thought it was pretty effective melodrama through that mm -hmm. part of the story. The part where the melodrama I think goes over the top and kind of for me flops because mm -hmm. I'm a grown up and I've read a lot of things and it's very difficult to take seriously is Johnny's death mm -hmm. is corny. Corny yeah. AF. He just kind of randomly dies. Like it's not described why or what exactly what why does his condition take a take a a dip you know mm -hmm. so badly uh, they also mentioned that he's suffering from shock which is one of the things that drives so my wife's a physician and mm -hmm. one of the things that drives her crazy or drives me crazy because i had to ask her i was like shock is like a whole different it's not just you don't just get scared really bad and then you have shock right shock is something that happens to you i think it has to do with your blood pressure dropping really rapidly when you're injured badly mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with being scared and they they fell prey to this to that in this book. They do that all the time in movies mm -hmm. and TV. They talk about no, oh, he's he's got it's a easy. Shock. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just it's just easy, and you can pretty much describe any 
type of traumatic or some type of trauma as, oh, he's in shock or, or she's in shock or something like that. Right. So it's like an right. easy device. There's a, there's a kid in Jaws that almost gets killed by the shark and then he's in shock. Yeah, he's in shock, like, yeah. That's not what that means. Like if, it, if, it bit off, if it bit off your leg, you might be in shock. Yeah, but that's right. not, yeah, that part was a little corny, but it didn't ruin the book for me. I, I really, the ending, I thought was the weakest bit. I think the sort of, I, I like how there's the climax of the big fight, the big mm -hmm. rumble. Oh, by the way, West Side Story. Mm -hmm. speaking right. of things speaking of things that do the greaser archetype and rumble yeah. and stuff like that west side story this one's a lot like west side story yeah let's see. imagine this kid probably watched west side story when the author was growing up they probably watched west side story right i mean this would have been a huge influence west side story's best picture in like 1960 50, 61 something like 57 that? oh 57 okay well still yeah. but this is this is something that would have been familiar to the author yes of course so, I think that's in this, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the 50s, I think, that gives you sort of the greaser idea. I don't know about the word greaser. I don't know if that, but rumble, don't they say rumble in West Side Story? I think so, yeah. They, they refer to it that way so. anyway. So I thought that, you know, there's the big rumble and that's fine and they don't dwell on it too much. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty well written. And then there's a lot of aftermath mm -hmm. because then Ponyboy goes through this whole denouement of like trauma after the fight and stuff. And I thought mm -hmm. that was, that was pretty good. Uh, that was a pretty good ending. Mm -hmm. And then they, the boys have it out with each other. What What's mm -hmm. the last name? It's the Curtis bro, the Curtis brothers. I think right? so. Yeah, I think it is Curtis. Yeah, Pony so the Curtis. three Curtis brothers kind of have it out with each other. And I thought it was pretty cool that Soda, the one that is like the sort of happy-go-lucky pretty boy, is the one that gives them a speech that sort of brings them back all together. I thought that was pretty good yeah. because it seemed more like <laughs> it would be Derry, right? Derry, uh-huh. Uh -huh. Derry yes, and Derry. Ponyboy are the are the thinkers of the group, and then Soda Boy is the one that kind of gives them a talking to and sets everybody straight. Right. So I thought that was pretty good. But the whole thing where Dally goes and robs uh, robs a liquor store—did I miss that? Did that right. happen? That happened, right? That yeah, that, that happened. It was almost like suicide by cop. Is sort of what it, it was exactly like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Know, it was like, like there's went, a suicide went, by went, cop, went. and then and Johnny dies like all in the same span of like 20 pages. And I was like, this is the worst part of the book. Dally's I think was striking out because of Johnny's death. Like apparently right. he cared so much for Johnny. Like Johnny was his little brother and he really cared for him. And I mean, it wasn't his little brother for reals, but it was like, he no, was no. like his little brother and he cared so much for him. Right. There was injustice in the world that Johnny died out of all the people. How come Johnny died? Right. Right. And so, and so he, he acts out as a result of that. And it's, it's sort of, like I said, there were, you know, some, some characters were really had, had a lot of complexity. Some were really two dimensional. Like most of the socials were pretty much just these foils without yeah. a lot of story or anything complexity to There's them. Two. There's two that get some characterization. There's a Cherry Valance, who's kind of yeah, the Cherry. go between. She's the, Mm -hmm. She's the girl who uh, Pony Boy makes friends with, but she's really into right. Dally. She's not yeah. really into Pony Boy because he's too young, I guess. But I thought it was kind of funny because the book is the book is about class, right? It's all about class divisions right. to some extent, uh -huh. which is yep. probably why mm -hmm. people still read it today. Probably it's kind of like a yeah. Marxist thing, like anything about class. Well, I think it, I think it's it's fairly timeless. I mean, it's it's, it's a a really yeah. easy formula that you can apply anything to, you know. At pretty much any age, you've got class. Well, kind of like, kind of like West Side Story. West Side Story yeah. is about the divisions of race. You know, mm -hmm. it's very similar, and, right. and that's yeah. a reference to Romeo and Juliet, which is about differences right. between clans. And so right. it's sort so, of a uh, not just class. Like class is the wrong word, but like 
whatever social divisions are important in your society right and the way yeah. that young people go across those you know they 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 repeat those boundaries you know with mm -hmm. the socias and the, and the greasers but then they also break those boundaries and it's usually because of sex right mm -hmm. like romeo right. and romeo and juliet hook up because they're into each other they don't care who's a montague and who's a capulet and west side right. story who cares she's puerto rican she's hot you know yeah. and this right. one Cherry and Cherry and Dally are into each other because it's like, look at him. He's he's amazing. Like, even though even yeah. though he's a greaser, like he's an amazing. So I guess that's I guess that's kind of a um what's that? But that's like a positive story. Like that you can always physical attraction always like uh, you know, Trump trumps, trumps, trumps everything of, else of social division. So that's I think it was more than physical attraction though, because um, the author does a really good job at painting the socias out to be very evil, twisted people right? They're supposed to be the upper class. Okay. So right. they're supposed to be, it's like Johnny from, it, it's Johnny from Karate Kid. It's kind of funny. Oh, you know, absolutely. It, it, absolutely. You know, they're, they're, the, yeah. they're the country club set. Which right. is Ralph Macchio so who, who plays Johnny in, no, 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 in, this, Ralph, in the outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ralph Macchio right. plays Johnny. And then Johnny is the right. bad guy who's the so. Yeah, Johnny's the bad guy. Right. So. But that, you know, Johnny, the Cobra Kai kids. So they're all upper class. They're all country club right. set. Right. But yet it turns out they're all a bunch of bums. I mean, they're all a bunch of jerks, right? right. How do we know that? Right. Because he's mean to his ex-girlfriend because he tosses her soccer ball away. And <laughs> and he smokes pot and, and he smokes pot in the bathroom in a time when pot yeah. and like, how did you know somebody was bad? They smoke pot, right? right. And so he's smoking right. a joint and then Ralph Macchio has to ruin it by spraying him with a shower. And, and I, what did he think was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A group of five guys after he sprays them with water, they're, all they're trying to do is have a joint. It's the exact same thing, right? So you have this upper crust, but it turns out they're the ones that are really bad. The greasers are noble, right? They have this nobility right. to them. Like, right. And that was the thing about Dally was Dally was a bad guy, meaning that he would rob things he beat people up you know he was a part of a street gang in new york he says things in front of girls that are so yes. bad that they're not even right. in the book it's just he says yes, bad <laughs> he just like, says bad author, stuff yeah the author couldn't bring so bad to write down the things that he said to them that's how was, bad they boy, are right my my 21st yeah. century mind was really filling in the details there like what they must be bad saying? like what you know at the same time he'll protect his friends he will you know go out of one, a member of his you know society yeah. a member of his community so he had nobility and he was he was actually noble to the girls too you know he talked tough and everything else but he was still it's not like he would force himself on them or anything like that well he no but treat he kind of he kind of just leaves right he doesn't really interact with yeah them. Kinda... well no there's that story about his when he went to jail the uh -huh. girl that that he was dating or whatever was trying to get with all the other guys or something. Whose girlfriend got pregnant and had to go live with with her grandparents in Florida or something like that was. Oh, that which, was soda pops, but she didn't. She didn't pops. get pregnant. Yeah, she didn't get pregnant. It was either she stays there. And, well, they don't. No, come out no, and she's say pregnant. It. Yeah, no, she's pregnant. She. It was either they get married or she goes to live with her grand. That's or she goes to Florida. Pregnant. Yeah, in nineteen yeah, sixty. In nineteen sixty seven, that's pregnant. No, yeah, no. and then no, it turns out no, he's Dally, not. Even, he wasn't even the father. Dally goes to jail. And his girlfriend uh -huh. starts to try to make moves on the other members of the gang. Oh, and I okay. think, I can't remember if it's Dally or one of the others that warns everybody, you know, stay away from her. He didn't treat her very well, but she wasn't a person worthy of being treated well. Is sort of what the book said, that 
a girl like right. Cherry, he would never treat like that because she's not that kind of girl. I mean, that's sort of what what not, what I how I read it. That's not super admirable behavior, though. <laughs> like just being like, no, no, oh, this girl's all trash. All this girl comes from a nice well, family. It, in comparison, in comparison to the socials, though, which would push them around and all this other stuff, right? Oh, well, yeah. So, I so, and I think that's the comparison that we're, we're we're trying to make is you have to look at them. One side is looked down on because everybody thinks they're trash. But they're actually noble is, is looked on as if they're noble, but they're actually trash. So I don't know. I think all in all, I think it was as it was written. It was a, you know it flowed really well. It was <laughs> very elementary in a lot of a lot of areas. But again, yeah. I didn't realize it was written for it was written for youth. You know, one of the things I noticed about the book is that structurally, something that's so I've written a whole novel before, and one of the things that's very difficult to do, and it's unless you go back and revise a whole lot. I think it's pretty much impossible to do is that structurally when this book, when this book sets up a pin, it knocks that pin down. Yeah. You don't ever, yes. you know, like they mentioned, yes. they mentioned his switchblade and it's like check off switchblade. Like I, I said to myself, yeah. somebody's getting stabbed with that switchblade. Sure yeah. enough, somebody right. gets stabbed moments later. Like he mentions, Oh, I always wonder what it was like to be inside of a burning ember. And then like 20 pages later, he's inside a burning church and he's like, Oh, now I know what it's like to be yeah. inside. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> he said that I one like, up and knocked it down. I like well, the, the most obvious one is the Robert Frost poem about nothing, nothing gold can last. Is that the poem that was read at, at JFK's inauguration? The, the Frost. I poem? don't know. Robert Frost was very much on the national consciousness in the 1960s. If only we had a way to find out. Yeah, but I mean, I'm in the middle of a podcast. I can't be Googling stuff. Right I can know. That's what it's for. Hold on. Oh, well, I guess uh, so. But yeah, they talk about, um, oh, oh, we were really man. careful in the church because it looked super flammable. And if we dropped the cigarette, it <laughs> yeah. and then you're yeah. like, well, I guess that church is burning to the ground in a couple of minutes. But it's good writing. You know, it's a little, a little ham-fisted. Like, I think a, a more mature writer would have maybe used a little obfuscation, you know, like, like lay those, lay those hints down, but then not make them so obvious so that when it happens later, you're like, Oh, that's why that was set up earlier. <laughs> right. right. Like, well, that's a really bizarre thing to mention. I think that's probably going to come up again. <laughs> well, like, again, I think it's for, you have to consider the, the audience, the target audience here. So the, the JFK inauguration poem was called the gift outright. Okay. And, okay. and this poem is called nothing gold can stay. Right. But that one, that one was an impressive one because it doesn't come back until the end. Well, towards the end with, with Johnny, you know, his last words. So, and it was, you know, really profound. Yeah. Stay that, gold. That point, I, so. I thought, I remembered you said, um, stay gold pony boy. Like when we, when we were talking about doing this mm -hmm. and I was thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I'm familiar with that line from this movie, despite never having yeah. seen it. I thought that that was just <laughs> something that these outsider kids said to each other all the time. They just said, stay gold, you know, like, yeah. yo, be gold. Like, yeah, it was just their, cool. their thing. They yeah. said, I, I didn't realize it was going to be a reference to a Robert Frost poem. That was pretty cool. He mentions how Johnny was like kind of slow, but would really fixate on what he did understand. And that makes yeah. sense. He, he didn't listen to much, but he listened to that poem. And I think it's pretty much his dying words, right? Isn't that like the last yeah. thing he says? Like, yeah. yeah stay, so, stay gold, pony boy. Yeah. That's pretty dope. I got to say, if I can yeah. learn a poem and like use it on my deathbed, I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, I just liked, you know, I liked it because you're right. You know, oh, he, he has a switchblade. Five pages later, he stabbed somebody with a switchblade. Right. I liked the poem because it was a passing reference and then it's used two chapters later. I mean, it, it, like yeah. it's a slow yeah. burn to use it. And it's that really was more clever because because I didn't realize it was coming and I didn't really under and it didn't seem contrived. 
contrived. It seems, even though Johnny's set up as being kind of an ignorant character, kind of or ignorance or an illiterate character, yeah, him talking about a Robert Frost poem at the end of the book seems pretty natural from the way that yeah. they handled it. You know, so yeah. I thought that was pretty good. What do you think about so in the same sequence where they're hiding in the church, they they get uh -huh. the book Gone with the Wind. Yeah. This is a literature class question from me to you, but why Gone with the Wind? What's the what's going on there? Class to some extent. It could be class for some extent, but it also could be. He keeps I talking mean, about the gallantry, the gallantry of the characters, you know, like yep. the southern southern bourbon culture of like fighting and nobility and stuff. But and and in in the book, you know, they write off knowing that they're going to, you know, go into certain death. I mean, it's like the charge of the light brigade, but they did it willingly, like they knew what they were facing, but they had to do it. So it's like the myth of duty, you know, what you're drawn to do, what you have to do, despite knowing that the that the ending like is certain. Like a definitely, of definitely chivalry, and I and I think I think the comparison is between Dali and, and I keep bringing up Dali because that's the one that the author points out. He's actually kind of noble. Like at first, Ponyboy doesn't like him. Out of all of okay. all of the group, I don't like Dali. I'm scared of Dali. Dali's a bad guy, but right. then he comes around on Dali because he starts seeing that Dali's a lot more complex than he's just a bad dude, right? He's not corn pop. Yeah. After all, he's 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 somebody else. You like that? I guess reference? Red Butler has that kind of attraction for Scarlett O'Hara, right? He's kind of the I bad think so. boy. Yeah, he's the bad boy, right? Yeah, and I guess but but he's 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 drawn to his his duty. Like this is what well, I but, have to do. But yeah. he won't even join the fight until the very end. It's only after Atlanta's set on fire where he's like, "Okay, now I'm going to join the army." And fight yes, this. but yeah, and yeah. Like, well, what are you it's, doing? Yeah. This is where you well, go home yeah. to your family. It's, you know, like, it's all well. It's it's all symbolic. I mean, we're not sim yeah. It's all symbolism, right? Yeah, you should at this point. This is the point you should retire. But I'm not going to retire. Right. I'm going to go die instead. Although I have this beautiful woman that's chasing after me. Isn't that what Dally does? I mean, yeah, he goes know, and gets himself killed. Goes like, and gets himself killed yeah. after yeah, the uh, rumble. After Let's the, say rumble. the rumble, the rumble is the burning of Atlanta. So that mm -hmm. happens, and then he goes and gets himself killed. Like, well, or wait, or does I think it's John. I think it's I think it's Johnny. Johnny. It's Johnny's is, death right. is the burning of Atlanta. Yes, yeah, so, right. And so he's yeah, too late to do right, anything about right, right. it. I'm gonna go scream into a volcano. Valley versus the volcano at a hurricane. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go scream at a hurricane and try to stop it. You know, although I know that I'm gonna die, type of thing. So I think it sets that up. And then I also, I, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of fatalism in it. I think God of the Wind is like kind of filled with fatalism. Yeah. After after that. all, tomorrow is another day. You know, it's just life sucks. Get on with it. Well, that's you know, where, she, well, I don't want to get in too much of a talk about Gone with the Wind, but that's where she's decided that she can change things and she can yeah. get out there and change the world. And anyway, that book's terrible and racist and we shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> we should, <laughs> there's should nothing to say about it. Should you Anymore. put a warning at, warning at the beginning yes, of this? Yes, we probably thing. should put a trigger alert in front of <laughs> Well, people smoke in this book, too, you know, in the new Disney. I was actually going to bring that up. They refer to cigarettes as cancer sticks. That seemed anachronistic to me. And is weed. That... Weeds. Weed is that... just weird. I was like, okay, weed. They also refer to getting stoned, but they mean yeah. drunk. Nobody right. smokes pot right. in this. Right. They talk about getting getting stoned, and they mean drunk. And they yeah. say weed for cigarettes, but then they also yeah. call them cancer sticks. And I was thinking, yeah. I thought it was like a big mystery that it caused cancer in the 60s. I thought <laughs> it wasn't until... Maybe it was said in jest or like, you know, tongue in cheek type of thing. I don't know. Because I'm yeah. sure people were yeah. were sounding the alarm and the advertising execs, if you've ever seen Mad Men, were like, no, it's fine. You know, five right. out of six. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Doctors about. prefer yeah, camels. So his 20-year-old brother is admonishing his 14-year-old younger brother to only have one pack a day. 
if you if you smoke more than one pack a day, I'm gonna kick your butt. You know, I was like, can oh you my imagine? God. Can you imagine? One pack a day? Wow. So, yeah. No, that's um, that's pretty bad. I was talking about how sentimental all these punks were, all these yeah. greasers are, and you know yeah. what movie it reminded me of when I was looking at Hold that. On. Hold on. Um, the dynamic between all these tough guys and how much they love each other and they hug all the time and stuff. Like, all right, I give up. The Fast and the Furious. Oh God! It's all about like family. A, it's, it's all, all about, about family. family. You know, like everybody yeah, loves each family. other. They're always hugging and crying and stuff like. And I was like, okay, that's like the sort of At sentimental end, interior to these yeah. tough guys is just kind of it. Just yeah. sounded just well, like that, that's how you make. Well, that's how you make tough guys human, right? Otherwise, Vin Diesel would just be beating the crap out of people all you know all through the movie well, and stealing and, and like maybe and stealing, yeah, 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 you know, maiming like, and killing everybody, blowing stuff up, causing right. mayhem across the world and even in outer space, as it turns out. But by being all about did they go to space a, in one of the later Fast and the Furious? I think so, I think so. Oh, yeah. for God's and, sake! But being all about family and having a barbecue at the very end and talking about yeah, this yeah. is my family and blah blah blah. Yeah. That makes some some supposedly makes them human. Now it's become a punchline because they do it in every stupid movie, and right. everybody's like, "Okay, yeah, you're all about family after you beat the crap out of some guy in the bathroom." Right. The other movie it really reminded me of that I think is closer in spirit to this is Breakfast Club. I think there's a lot hmm. of this movie. I think aren't there some of the same actors? Maybe actually, I can't think well, of an example of anybody. Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez was. Is Emilio Estevez in the Outsiders yeah. movie? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like it sort of humanizes the jocks. The jocks all have like a reason for the jerks, and it's got like the pretty girls and the pretty girls. So there's a bonding between them that brings the two groups together, and then there's like a big tragic event that kind of kernel is the or crystallizes the whole conflict, right, and blows it up and magnifies it. Yeah, like uh, Mercutio dies, or is it Tybalt? Yeah, Mercutio. Yeah, no, Mercutio. No, it's Mercutio. Yeah, Yeah, Mercutio dies. Plague on both your families, and then right. You know, it's just after that. For me, tomorrow when you will find me a grave, man. Yeah, that's right. Great line. You even have the swords if you think about it. Like, want to talk Shakespeare? They're all carrying switchblades. I mean, come on. Well, that's what they do in the um, in the Romeo and Juliet film. The yep. Leonardo DiCaprio, they, everybody's gun says like rapier. Called, on. Lo, lo, give me my long sword. He reaches and yeah. his long sword on, yeah. the, on the on the pistol. You know. Apparently, we really want to watch that movie again because we've been talking about it <laughs> someday. I just don't want to get into Shakespeare. I got to be honest with you that that would be a like we a five Macbeth. episode I series. Macbeth. I, I want to I do know. another. So I think we're kind of getting around to the time we should talk about biggest surprise, right? My biggest surprise in this, so I had a couple of little tiny surprises. I, I didn't expect the book to be as plot driven as it was. I sort of thought that it was just a pastiche of kids living in the, in the and I thought it was the 50s. It's not too surprising that it was the 60s, but I thought it was just going to be these kids walking around and talking and sort of showing like what their lives were like. And it turned out to be actually like a, a plot. I really had no idea where it took place. I could tell because there was a lot of y'all being thrown around. Because people and had rodeos horses. stuff. Yeah, rodeos. People had horses. Exactly. So I was thinking, you know, and they talk about New York as if it's, you know, might as well be China because it's super far right. away okay. and mystical. Right. And um, so I figured it was in the South somewhere and I couldn't quite put a finger on where it was. So I looked it up. It's apparently loosely based on Tulsa, Oklahoma, which I would have Tulsa, never, Oklahoma, yeah. would have never I come up with that either. Yep. That was pretty surprising. And I, I was headed into recording, planning to talk about how Tulsa was my biggest surprise. When I did a little background research, I remember to look up the author. And the first sentence I realized the author 
So I knew the author was like 16. That that's pretty cool that we haven't really talked much about that, but I did I, I did know that and I had that in mind. But the author's a girl. Yeah. That shocked me. I was like, first of all, I was like, oh wow, that's really I didn't see that at all. And then I thought about it and I was thinking, let me let me do a little parenthetical story here. I was mm -hmm. in a writing class one time where we exchanged papers and we mm -hmm. all read somebody else's paper. And then you were supposed to go the next day to group and talk about their paper and whatnot. So I get this mm -hmm. story and I read all the way through it. And I was thinking, wow, it's like one of the worst stories I've ever read. There's something <laughs> missing from it. There's like some gap in this story. And I couldn't put a finger on what it was. I could not tell you what was wrong with this story. And then I get to the group and we sit down and I give the paper back and it's a blind girl. And it suddenly oh, dawned on there was no visual description in the entire story. And I went wow. and read it again. And I was like, that's what it was. That's what was missing. It's not bad writing. It's mm. just this person lacks an entire sense that I'm used to reading right. about. Right. That's my primary sense. Wow. That's and interesting. so it just something didn't ring true about the writing to me. Now, had I known right. that about her, I would have read it completely differently and not judged it that way. Really this was a bit like this. I, I kept reading this and I kept thinking, oh, these guys are crying so much. First of all, yeah. they were talking about how good looking the other guys were all the time and not just <laughs> and not just maybe in their own head, but like talking about it out loud. And I was thinking, well, that's not that's is that what people did in the 60s? Because that's not I don't talk about how good looking my friends are. That's weird. And then I also wrote and I wrote this note. I wrote this note before I knew that the author was a woman because I thought it was a, yeah. a character who wrote the book. I thought it was pretty much Pony Boy wrote the book. It's I wow. said his analysis of people is prodigal. Like it seems so ahead of the time for a 15, 16 year old boy to be writing about why people do things and what their motivations are and what their relationships to each other to the point where mm -hmm. I was thinking this guy is phenomenal. And then I realized that he's not. It's a woman. Of course, right. she understands the relationships between people and what their motivations are in a way that seems light years beyond what a 15-year-old boy is capable of because it's light years beyond what a 15-year-old boy is capable of. There's, <laughs> right. there's no right. guy who understands people this well. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just not a thing. And it's very right. clearly, and also, frankly, how ahead of the years the writer is what a good writer this mm -hmm. this person is at this age yeah. is also just probably probably a woman it's just somebody yeah. it's just everything that didn't quite make sense to me about the book was explained by that to me i i really yeah. was i was like oh that okay i get so much more about why the book is the way it is because some of it didn't ring true because it isn't really the way now, men think but some of it was be also clear, better it was better than it would have been if a boy wrote it now, to be to be clear your point is that women are you know have can more critically think about sensitivity and, and those types of things, which I think are not sensitivity so much, but I've watched with my children just mm -hmm. how much more attention little girls and young women pay to other people. Boys, I, I would I would send my kid, my my son to class for months. And we say, who's mm -hmm. your best friend? Oh, there's this there's this kid I play with every day. What's his name? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Right. And the, you know, you'd ask I'd ask Cleo. Be like, who's in your class? She'd be like, well, there's Billy and there's Mikey and there's Jamel. And there's, you know, she would know everybody's name yeah. and how old they were mm -hmm. and where they grew up. Mm -hmm. And she knew everything mm -hmm. about the people. She was thinking about them constantly. Yeah. I think to some extent to most boys, the other people are like objects. You don't even really think about sure. what's going on yeah. inside there. You have yeah. zero theory of mind until you get much older and more mature. I mean, just yeah. way farther along in your life. And and it showed. I, I think the, psych the psychological profiling that's going on in this book is just seems 
completely abnormal for a 14 year old boy. And it's because it's not really true to life. Yeah. Well, I just like to actually speak to, to that real quick. This was written by a 16 year old girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, she published it at 18 when she graduated. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, that is just, I'm blown away by that. You know, I, I made sure to tell my daughter who's 16. I'm like, look what you can do if you wanted to. <laughs> I mean, look what, <laughs> seriously, I mean, this is. Well, you don't want to, you don't want to give her a complex like Julius Caesar crying. He hasn't <laughs> conquered the world yet at 32, like Alexander right. the Great. Well, you know, well that's true. But I'm just, I'm just saying, look, look, what, you know, look what girl, girls like you are capable of, I guess is what I'm, sure. what I'm saying. Whether you do or not is not an issue, but you know, I'm just like, that's, that's fantastic. I think it's awesome. I don't think I've ever read, read a young adult novel that I can remember. I mean, I'm sure when I was a kid, I read like Hardy Boys and stuff like that. Okay. But I can't remember. Yeah, that's not what they, there has what, to be an element. There has to be an element of yeah. adult in, in young adult and Hardy right. Boys does not have it. So, right. So, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like, I don't know if it's, if it's because it, there was a lot of stuff that was very simple, you know, that like, like, for example, yeah. I'm not going to talk about, I'm just going to say they're drinking booze because that's all a 16 year old girl would probably know, you know, they're not going to talk about, Right. The kind of booze, what they're drinking, how they're drinking it, how much they drink, right. whatever. Right. It was just that detail just isn't there because it's not. It's just booze. Booze is a bad yeah. thing, and right. I'm going to make them that they got they got drunk because that that helps me say that they're bad or whatever. I remember writing and, a story um, once. I wrote a story once in high school where some people did drugs. Like I just, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, they just these did guys, drugs. These guys were right. doing they, drugs because I had they no, were doing had no drugs. Idea, you know? They did like, more drugs than anybody did they drugs did before. So many drugs. <laughs> they did so even much though, drugs. <laughs> even though drugs are bad and they should have said no to drugs, they did. Yes, so, they didn't anyway. say no to those drugs. And I was like, I don't know if it's because, like, if an adult would write it the same way because of the audience they're writing to, because the audience also wouldn't know any of that stuff or really care about it, right? To the audience. You have certain signs or signals or symbols or whatever that just mean certain things. Like a young audience would say, okay, booze is bad. This person's doing a bunch of booze and they're drunk, right? And so I know that that's bad. That equals bad. Right. right. That's what I need for the story to, to move on. So I don't know if it's because you see what I'm saying? Like there are things in it. Like I didn't, I don't know if it was written like that because she was young or if, if any adults would write it the same way because of the I audience they're writing to. I, I don't think know. it's so, so it's a really interesting, and, and I was just kind of mulling this over while you were saying that. I think that what YA fiction has become is it mm -hmm. has become a marketing, like, like slot, you know, that like, like a target audience for a certain kind of literature. And so what you have is you have a, an adult author like mm -hmm. uh, Stephanie Meyer, or that's a good, that's a bad example because she was not an author before she wrote her books, but, you know, James Patterson. We'll literally mm -hmm. sit down and he'll say, well, these are the things that have to be in a YA novel. I'm a 70-year-old man, but I'm going to write a book that's targeted at these people, and I'm going to make sure it includes certain elements. And the strange thing is, is I think this book pretty well encapsulates what is supposed to be in a YA book, but it was actually written by a YA. Yeah. That's why this yeah, hit that's... exactly what those people want to have in their books, which is... Right. Not the sim, you know, like you talk about the Hardy Boys. The Hardy Boys, their conflicts are resolved like that in a snap. It yeah. might as well be a yeah, Scooby Doo, yeah. right? Right. And right. in an adult book, the conflicts might not be resolved at all, or they might be overly yeah. complicated. These ones right. are, you know, reasonably difficult conflicts to deal with, but they do get resolution and they do get fairly simple mm -hmm. resolution. There's a little bit mm -hmm. of romantic, you know, there's something in the air of romance and violence, tension, uh -huh. mm -hmm. tension, right? But it's a little antiseptic. 
Um, I think that today YA probably would go a little bit farther into being more erotic almost because it's just considered to be more appropriate for young adults. I don't know if young adults are really into that yet, but it gets in there sometimes. Sexuality yeah. creeps in very often in YA a lot of the time. So it's it's funny to me that it's become this thing that everybody can do and it was created by an actual young adult. I think yeah, that's, that's I think that's really well, I think that's really um it's really cool. I I, I kind of like and, knowing that. And and also I'll, but just to just to mention that. So SE Hinton, I can't remember what the SE stands for. I can't remember if it's like but, her fake initials, but I know she wanted to do the No, initials. it's 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 her initials. It was her publisher that that said that so that people wouldn't yeah. know that she's a girl or a woman. Right. Which because I think, a, which I think was a great decision. I would have viewed the book completely right. differently if I'd known it was written by a woman. Well, and and it's because they they didn't want the the critics, the literary critics discounting her just because she's right. a woman, right? Right. Right. Remember this is 1967. So so she went by SE and then she just stayed with SE for the rest of her career, but Essentially, she invented this genre. This is the first, like, this is the invention of the genre of, the, of young adult, which I think is fantastic. You know, that this is sort of the first, first instantiation of, of, yeah. Of and we didn't, we what, didn't get what around. Now is a huge genre. Oh, it's a huge, it's a huge billions of dollars yeah. a year, but I, I don't mm -hmm. know if it's billions, but it's a lot. Eh, it probably is billions, right? It might be, um, yeah. So we didn't officially get into starting the discussion of whether or not to toast it, but these are all the things I would say about whether I should toast yeah. it. I think in itself, this book, to me, reading it as an adult, it's kind of melodramatic. Yes. It's not great. There's not a whole lot of interpretive value. There's a few, it's very YA. There's a few sort of mm -hmm. forays into inter interpretive value. Like we're asking ourselves, well, why, why gone with the wind? You know, sure. are there really a lot of symbols in this book? Not really. There's some themes mm -hmm. that sort of, you know, the burning church. I think you'd probably would be doing yourself a disservice if you analyzed why a church, you know, why does the church yeah. burn? I think that was just a place right. she picked for sanctuary because she probably read about it right. in Hunchback in Notre Dame, you know, as, yeah. as a place <laughs> right. where you go. Hide. Sanctuary. Yeah. Good so, point. Yeah. You know, so I, 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 I think you could probably take that too far, but because this is like you said, the first instantiation of of YA, that's it. That's a big deal, and I enjoyed the read. The read was fine. It's not bad. It's a good book. Yeah. I would give it. I would give it to my son and be like, here, read The Outsiders. Maybe we'll watch yeah. the movie. It, it really does read like something that needs a movie. I mean, what a perfect yeah. idea for a movie. Right? Young people's conflict. Hey, we have to. We're forced into casting really, really handsome young men. And by the way, <laughs> right. and by the way, the, the woman Cherry Valance is played by a young Diane Lane. Yes. Like, so, I mean, you just like, you're just basically putting like all these beautiful young people, all the best looking people in the world. Yeah. Essentially. There, so yeah. yeah, I would definitely toast this. I think this was great. Oh, I think very good. Is, I don't cool. think it's like the best book I've ever read or anything, but mm -hmm. it's an important book in terms of understanding an entire very genre. Cool. So I, I think it's, I think it's worth toasting. So fantastic. Tip up my giant plastic Yoda cup filled with cherry <laughs> coat. And uh, let's see if I can, let's see if I can give us a decent sound. Hold on. Oh, that was terrible. I didn't hear we'll it. Have to, Edit that in. No yeah. sound. Um, let me uh, let me just speak. Uh, you said talked about the importance. So right. this book has sold 15 million copies since it was published. They still sell 500,000 copies a year of this book. Isn't that incredible? That is a lot. 65, 1965, or 1967, rather. That math, it's, it's, that math doesn't work, though. You'd think it would have sold a lot more copies than that, then. I don't know, that's what it says. It sold Half a million a year for a year. 50 years. That'd be... It'd be more than, but that's that's what the current that's a lot thing, of right? a lot of copies anyway. Yeah, there's a lot of copies. So I forgot to tell a funny anecdote about this. The okay, we got time in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
Uh-huh. There's there's a house that was in the movie. Oh yes, I saw that. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Danny Boy from House of Pain, the other guy from House of Pain, not Everlast, mm-hmm. the one who actually had a career after House of Pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other guy bought the house and turned it into a museum, and they had this big opening party. And this opening party for the Outsiders' house was such an event. I mean, such a global media event that none other than C. Thomas Howell put aside his busy schedule. <laughs> And showed up for the opening with, of the with all that he was doing. I mean, yeah. he was in the middle of, I don't know, there might have been like a, a Soul Man a, 2. Soul Man Soul 2. Man 2 was probably filming yeah, the, the Red Dawn, the Red Dawn retrospective. <laughs> remake, yeah. On A&E, absolutely. You know, so yeah. anyway, but <laughs> actually, my biggest surprise was was about the movie, not the book. Okay. Francis Ford Coppola yeah. directed that, that yeah, movie. Right. I was and, like, are you kidding me? Godfather and as a, directed as it. a side project while they were filming it, filmed another. S.E. Hinton book, Rumblefish. Rumblefish, yeah. During I was like, the filming oh, of Outsiders, put I had that no together. idea she wrote that. So and had her anyway. and had her be in a movie and play a hooker. In, yeah, in, in which is own, fantastic. In her own movie, in her so. own book. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you're toasting it. I highly recommend this book, especially you know if you got kids. I gave this before I read it. I gave it to my 16 year old daughter. She loved it. Um, she's reading everything under the sun right now. Um, so I mean, it's perfect. It hit with her at home. She really liked it. And I think we're going to watch the movie next because the movie is really good. I mean, it's, it's a it's a really well done movie. I mean, Coppola directed it, so how could it not be? And like you said, it's got Rob Lowe, you know, young Tom Cruise, C. Thomas Howell, Macchio, Patrick Swayze, oh, who plays Dally? What's his name? Um, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Thank you, young Matt Dillon. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. with the exception of the blonde hair, it's a perfect cast for that. Yeah. Anyway, so wait, well, who's great. Pony Boy? Who's Pony, Pony was C. Thomas Howell? Let's see oh, Thomas that's C. Thomas Howell. Okay, yeah. all right. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. There you go, pony boy. I think we've done our work here. I think we've... This is Dave MacArthur uh, saying goodbye to the Toasting the Classics audience. This is Clint Lanier saying goodbye also. Thank you. All Thank right, you. everybody. Peace out. See you. For the five people that listen. If you ever have any comments, hey, you guys should check this thing out or that thing out. Check this book out. Check that movie out. We'd love to hear them. Please, uh, I don't know how they get in touch with us. Uh, toasting the Classics at com. Send, there we it, go. Send, us, send us an email yeah. and uh, if it's a really good idea we'll even give you a shout out why not perfect perfect well again thanks for joining us bye bye that's it for episode 74 of toasting the classics for those playing along at home stay tuned to find out what we'll be drinking while we talk about the james cameron movie the terminator if you'd like to get in touch please send us an email at toasting the classics at gmail.com send us show ideas comments complaints and let us know how you define young adult fiction Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at @ractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics.